Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. 106 in Edmonton. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. Welcome back everybody. Bob jo- Stoffer joining you from Los Gatos, California. Edmonton Oilers just wrapping up a practice. Uh, Ken Hitchcock about to speak momentarily. Edmonton and San Jose tonight. The Sharks on fire, 12-4 and two over the last 18 games. Uh, Edmonton went two seven and one without uh, Oscar Kleppbaum and Chris Russell in their lineup. Uh, Russell is back. The Oilers played uh, one of their best games recently with a four nothing shutout in Anaheim. Oilers now brought to you by Digitex. You can now buy your PCs from Digitex. Keep it all under one roof with one number to call and one simple invoice for all of your office technology needs. You can text us on our Heartland Ford text line at 630-630 with over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory. Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan, one of the largest volume Ford dealers in the province of Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford momentarily once our package has arrived. Um, we will head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. You can tweet us at Oilers Now, my personal Twitter handle, Bob underscore Stopper. Brendan's is at Brendan Escott, and we'll tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton South, downtown Northside, and Sherwood Park. Don and his staff at Japanese Village will take care of you. Brendan, how are we doing? We're good to go here yet? Give me one minute. Just going to ring them right now. Okay. Uh, we'll get to some texts. We're going to bring Brett Hedekin in. He works on the Sharks uh, television broadcast. Uh, our Heartland Ford text line at 630-630. This text comes in out of Calgary. Johnny overrated isn't even close to being as good as McDavid. Just another delusional Flames fan. The only downside of living in this great city of Calgary is dealing with people like that texter. Um, and... Uh, Again, more text coming in. Uh, this text comes in saying, interesting, Bob, that you uh, didn't mention any of my texts. Just wondering why you can't address the horrific trade that our LLB Yale graduate GM did. Uh, <laughs> regarding Brandon Manning. Well, first of all, Shirelli uh, went to Harvard, not Yale. Uh, he didn't get his law degree uh, at Harvard. He, I think he got it at the University of Ottawa after, and was an agent, and uh, and then worked for the Sens organization before becoming the GM of the Boston Bruins. So just for a little chronological order. Right now, it's a tough deal right now to stomach, given the fact that Brandon T- uh, Manning appears to be a uh, scratch. All right, here we go. Uh, pleased to be joined on a, a line by a guy who played over 1,000 games in the National Hockey League, but is probably only the second best skater in his household. We welcome back to the show, Brett Hedekin. Brett, it's Bob Stopper. How you doing? Hey, Bob. Thanks. And uh, yeah, no, I'm the third best in my family now because my daughter skates as well. So I'm I'm moving down in the totem pole with regard to the skating ability in my house. 
for those of our listeners that don't know, uh, Brett is married to a former, uh, well, I, I guess you're always an Olympic gold medalist, uh, Christy uh, Yamaguchi. So, and she used to, sk- we've discussed this before, uh, she used to skate at the Royal Glenora in Edmonton. And uh, I knew Kurt Browning and Mike Slepchuk. Uh, no, the guy I knew the best was a guy named Norm Proft, who was sort of number three in Canada for about five years. He was a terrific guy. And those guys, uh, they, uh, all I'm going to say is they, had, they, they were just like all the guys that I sort of knew around the, the hockey circles back in the day, too. They knew how to have a good time, and <laughs> they enjoyed skiing, so. I, uh, I I just I just I just know how special of a place Royal Glenora at that time Royal Glenora was producing the best skaters in the world so it was a, a pretty cool time back in the day. Um, well, she let's loved do it. this. Yeah, she loved she loved training. Yeah, she loved. And, uh, how long how long was she, how long was she in Edmonton for? Uh, I think for about four years and prior to the Olympic Games. So she spent a lot of time there training, and her, her coach, Christy Ness, uh, married a doctor up there in, in Edmonton, uh, Andrew Ness. And they, uh, you know, she had to pick up her, you know, her bag and move it to Edmonton prior to the Olympic Games after high school and, you know, got in their training, met Kurt Browning, and, and trained with all those great skaters up there. So really, I think it was probably the best thing for her to get away from home, to really settle in, focus on one thing, which was skating. And eventually, obviously, it worked out. Wins, uh, wins the gold medal in 1992, which was which is a lot of fun, obviously, to do. Yeah, and uh, preceded all the drama that occurred after. <laughs> yes, exactly. With the U.S. figure skating program. Uh, yeah, and the irony is, Brett, you were, you know, as I recall, you were a tremendous skating defenseman. That was really the uh, the hallmark of what you did when you played. Uh, on our show today, uh, on the heels of Jack Michaels and myself going to the the Bama Clemson game and walking out of the stadium with forty thousand dejected Bama fans that were in shock. We we talked about the toughest losses in uh, in Oilers history for the fans, and a lot of them. Harken back to 2006 and uh, what occurred in Game 1 uh, when you were playing with the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, there was a surprising amount of votes. I would have thought most people would have gone more recent vintage. The Oilers blowing the 3 nothing lead final five minutes against Anaheim in 2017 or going old school when Steve Smith scored on himself. But you're on the ice. You're on that other bench. You guys are down 3 nothing. The Oilers seemingly were – I mean, that's – that was a high-scoring year, but did you guys think that you guys were in a little bit of trouble at that stage during the course of that game, or did you have confidence, hey, it's it's early yet? No, I, I you know what, I think, you know, it's funny because that season, uh, even from before the season began, you know, I felt like something special was happening, and, and we had some team building before the year began, and um, as the season began, it just felt like every guy – kind of was accepting the role that they were in. Every guy kind of knew uh, the work that had been done the summer prior. Obviously, the lockout coming out of it, we were going to play a specific style. We weren't going to be, uh, you know, a tough team. We were going to be more of a fast team that we were going to try to wear you down, you know, through the 60 minutes. And, you know, I, I remember like halfway through the season having a practice like like nothing I'd ever seen before at a practice facility in Raleigh. And I remember saying to myself, like, this is this is a year – that something's going to happen, something spectacular, just because of the way this group practiced on a daily basis. And it wasn't something like, you know, you, you look at the playoff series that we went through, down 2 nothing against Montreal in the first round. We come back to win 4-2. It was just all of those things throughout the course of the season, I felt like the work had been done. And so no matter what the score was in a series, no matter what the score was in a game, this group of men always seemed to know 
that there was a lot of time left in a, in a hockey game or in a series to get something done. So I never was, you know, even in, you know being down or being up 3-1 in the, the Edmonton series in, in the Stanley Cup final and then coming back and tying it, I just remember the locker room so calm before that game seven like again the work had been done we were ready for it we were trained for it and we you know unfortunately for the Edmonton Oilers fans we came out and for the you know the Carolina Hurricanes team we just came out and executed I thought we played a tremendous game seven and and again the work had been done throughout the course of the season. You know what I remember and just being at morning skates and you never want to read too much in morning skates you guys were all business in your morning skate. There was no BSing around. It was quiet in the building. And then the Oilers went on, and they just won the last two games, and they'd won game five, shorthanded goal from Sandy, and they took it to you a bit in game six. But it was it was a little looser. And I'm like, I don't, because I'm one of these guys, I'm, I, I don't really read too much in a can you read anything in a morning skates i mean you played over a thousand games in the league can you read anything in morning skates but i'm like i hope the orders are ready to go early because it looks like carolina is yeah you know i think it's hard to kind of walk that line of really going too much on a morning skate but you know there's certain characteristics in a morning skate uh, that you can see sometimes just a level of focus a level of detail you know, every guy executing little passes. You don't have to be lightning fast in a morning skate, but you want to make sure you're you're doing the habits. I, I think I'm just a firm believer in, in daily habits, making sure you're doing the right things, whether it be training or when you're on the ice, executing the 10, 15, 20-foot passes. Um, you know, just being detailed. And I think we were like that, like I said, through the course of the year. But, yeah, if that's what you saw before Game 7, doesn't surprise me that it was all business. And, you know, we had lost the Stanley Cup final um, just a few years prior in 2002 against Detroit. You know, so I, I think we were a team that had been right there. We lost to a team with a hundred and uh, what $10 million payroll in Detroit Red Wings. We were a $23 million payroll and a bunch of dogs. And I think, you know, and those numbers could be a little bit off, but I will say this that same core of guys was still together four years later and we win. So it's, it's fun to, to kind of look back at those times in, in Carolina to know that we had a good core of guys that, um, that you could do special things with because of what they did off the ice, how they detailed in practice, and how they executed in games. Uh, let's look, get into the here and now. We're joined by Brett Hedekin. He's a San Jose Sharks broadcaster. Bob Stoffer with you. Brett, uh, Neil, or, uh, Doug Wilson took over in May of 2003. Since then, the San Jose Sharks have the best winning percentage in the National Hockey League in the regular season. Um, is he the best GM in the league? Well, I mean, his, it, it speaks for itself what he's been able to do. Um, you know, there's a there's a great article on in the Athletic. Kevin Kurz, I believe, wrote it from uh, Lukas Radil, uh, a Czech kid that uh, came here for, in the summer a few years back on vacation with a bunch of his friends, and was here during the Stanley Cup Finals when the uh, Sharks were were in the finals against Pittsburgh and was able to come to a game. And he always dreamt of maybe possibly playing for the Sharks, and he was an unrestricted free agent. And one of the shark scouts find him, and he signs a contract with San Jose. And, and you look at all the little things that he's been able to do to be able to piece together, you know, players like Melker Carlson, Marcus Sorensen, these peripheral guys, drafting Timo Meyer, Jonas Donskoy, another guy that they find out of nowhere. Um, and you can go on and on. And you, yeah, you can talk about the Brent Burns and the Eric Carlsons of the world, but you also have to realize that there's other players within a roster 
that have to be able to contribute when those players aren't on the ice. And I think that's where Doug Wilson and his staff have been able to do a tremendous job of finding, you know, unrestricted free agents that sign here, that want to come here to San Jose. And those are the guys that make an impact throughout the course of the season. So I, I think, yeah, is he the best GM in the league? I guess is you know the, the stats prove that that he's done you know as good as anybody in the NHL. Well, their ability to find specifically Europeans. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see both Heed uh, and uh, uh, Shimmick tonight, but two more on the back end, and then you mentioned all those guys up front. We really liked Sorensen in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Radil's off to a great start. You know, Donskoy and Carlson and, uh, uh, you know, support guys. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, but they've got they've also had to do it because they've traded away a lot of picks going forward because they're always in the mix every year, and Doug Wilson's always in every big move, too. I mean, he gets Evander Kane, and we're thinking, well, there's no way he can get Carlson, Eric Carlson, and then he gets Eric Carlson. So now I have the question for you. So Eric Carlson's a UFA. Pavelski's a UFA. Thornton's a UFA. Does, you know, does Doug Wilson get all three of these guys re-signed? Well, that's, I, I think, you know, best pie in the, in the sky scenario. And 100% he'd love to sign a guy like Eric Carlson long-term. Um, guys like Thornton and Pavelski. I mean, Pavelski's having a terrific season. You look at... 25 goals, you know, to this point, he's on pace for, what, 46 goals on the year, uh, being an unrestricted free agent. You know, the game's gotten faster, and I wouldn't say Joe Pavelski's gotten faster, but somehow he finds a way to, to score in so many different ways, tipping pucks from the front, you know, finding a way to outmuscle a guy uh, around the net and then stuffing it in. Just the things that he does, I don't see a lot of players do. But the thing is, is he works at it every day. He's out there tipping pucks with Brent Burns. But, yeah, if they could sign a guy like Pavelski, it's all going to be about the number and the term with him. I think Thornton, same deal. Going to have to take a haircut in his salary. Obviously not getting any faster. Older uh, and, you know, in the tooth, if you will, Thornton, maybe in his last year or two here of his career. But a guy that's finally getting healthy after back-to-back years where he had ACL, MCL surgery on one leg and then the other leg a year later. So we're almost at that year point where his, you know, he's going to look back at the full year of, uh, if you look at any player that's torn an ACL, MCL, it takes a year. He's almost at that point now, and the Sharks are starting to play some better hockey. So could, you know, best, best case scenario, sign all three guys 100%, but that's going to be very difficult to do, as you know, with the, with the salary caps the way they are. With all due respect to the San Jose market, um, you know, because the building's loud, it's an older building, but is this in many respects for a player a great place to play because there's not the same pressure as there would be in, you know, you played in Vancouver. Uh, You know, we have a two-hour show called The Winners Now that's a year-round show Monday through Friday. That's the level of passion for hockey. Does the lack of pre- which is not to say the organization doesn't, uh, you know, press pressure on players to perform, but because of the lifestyle that you can live here, is that a recruiting advantage for this organization? Well, let me ask you a question, Bob. When would you rather have pressure from the external sources, meaning the media and radio stations and everything, or would you have rather have internal pressure from inside the locker room of expectation I, and a standard of excellence? You know, yeah, well, that, 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 it's, but it's a but it's a combination. See, to me, for San Jose, it's a combination of both. It's the best of both worlds. I agree. I, it I really think, is. But but 
But take away that internal standard of excellence that they've had here for many years, really led by Joe Thornton and the way that he is. And you got guys like Logan Couture and Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns. These guys are complete pros. And so you're right, though. I will say that Eric Carlson getting traded from Ottawa, you know, you look at a Canadian city, he's the captain, he's kind of the guy that, you know, is, is the man in Ottawa. Well, I think when he first got traded here to San Jose, I, I think he felt like, wow, this isn't the same environment that I'm used to. And I think he probably missed it early on. But now he has a chance to, when he goes home, he can go out to dinner, he can relax. He doesn't have to, you know, have be bombarded with people coming over to him and maybe bothering him you know, at dinner. Not that that's a big deal. I think all players realize that it comes with the territory. But I think he's now that he's getting away from Ottawa, the longer he is, I think he's beginning to enjoy the fact that, you know, he he's, has the ability to do things away from the from the game. And um, but you're right, they have an internal pressure of being a high standard of excellence, and they have the lack of maybe um, uh, an environment like you guys see in Edmonton or any of the Canadian cities that uh, uh, put that external pressure on these players. But all in all, I think the the main thing is is that this team's looking to try to win a Stanley Cup, and they're hoping to do it this year. Well, and they still haven't done that, and that's the caveat in all of this. One final one for you, Brett. Two years ago, when the Oilers eliminated San Jose in six, could you have envisioned Edmonton being where they are in San Jose? Like, did you did you see the Oilers have not gotten back to that level? And San Jose, granted, they had two significant injuries in that series, but to me, I thought the two organizations were charting different paths moving forward. And instead, San Jose has, you know, elevated and been even a better team really over the course of the last year and a half. And the Oilers have, you know, the Oilers have been sub 500 last year, and they might finish. So, I mean, we don't know what Edmonton is yet at this stage. You a little bit surprised by that, based on how that series ended? A little bit, and I think maybe the injuries had a little bit to do with it in that series. But does it? Does that mean this series would have changed at all? I don't know. Obviously, we will never know. But. Um, you know, I, I think it goes to every player, and, and Doug Wilson, as we referenced earlier, has done a terrific job of finding those peripheral guys and also getting a guy like Eric Carlson and Vander Kane, as you had mentioned earlier, um, to come over and sign contracts and then obviously extend a contract for Evander Kane. Obviously, that's what they're looking for, EK65. But um, when you look at the Oilers and, and when you're looking at that comparison, I just can only personally say that as a player, you always have to self-assess no matter what the season was like. You can never just say, okay, are we good with what we have? Or is my skill level good at where it is this year? You have to be able to look at yourself and say, what can I do better as a player? Where am I weak? Is my shot weak? Am I skating weak? All those things that you need to address in the offseason, you have to take a look at yourself and, and really give yourself that honest feedback. I think with the Oilers, maybe they didn't look at themselves as honestly as they probably should have to find little ways of tightening up, you know, where they need to get some improvement, even though they won a series against San Jose just a few years back. So um, I think they're, they've got all the pieces you need to continue to build around, obviously led by Connor McDavid. I mean, this guy is phenomenal. Now it's a matter of just finding players around him, uh, the peripheral guys that can really make sure when he's off the ice, you've got other guys making a contribution. And we're getting texts coming in right now saying the Oilers don't have close to support players. San Jose does, and that's the major difference between the two. Great stuff, uh, Brett. We appreciate your time. Uh, we'll see you down at the arena tonight, okay? Yep, looking forward to it. It should be a great game. Thanks, Bob.
Yeah, thanks again, Brett. That's Brett Hedekin, San Jose Sharks broadcaster. When we come back on Oilers Now, I'll get to a couple quick texts here just before uh, we go to the uh, 1.30 news weather traffic update with Cassandra Jodouin. And uh, and then Drew Remenda, who's got experience on both ends of it. Uh, he's been uh, with the Sharks organization. Geez, must have been about, well, I would have been close to... 15, 18 years, something like that, and then spent the last several years in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. Let's uh, get to some Heartland Ford texts. We had a text about Peter Shirelli being an overcorrector. This text comes in out of Grand Prairie. Don't agree with the text that Shirelli is an overcorrector in all these instances. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Would you want Lucic if he produced 40 to 50 points and protected McDavid? I would. Uh, the text goes on to say, would you have moved Maroon if he was going to uh, do uh, score 20 to 30 goals? I wouldn't. Uh, the bad moves, in my opinion, were Reinhardt, Spooner, Jokinen, Manning, Garrison. The good moves, Talbot, Koskinen, Cassian, Maroon, Larson. So this individual likes the Larson for a haul trade. Lucic, if he starts hitting again, Russell. Jones, who Shirelli's group drafted, Bouchard, Bear, and more. The problem is the team has no fight, and that was from the last leader, Todd McClellan. So he's saying McClellan didn't allow the players to play with enough, you know what, vinegar in their lineup. Again, you can text us at 630-630, tweet us at orders now. We'll get to more texts. Um, Brian says, uh, out of Edmonton, as painful as it is to give credit to anything uh, Flames, uh, there are times when I think that Goodrow's better than uh, McDavid. Well, Goodrow's having a great year. That, that's got to be stated. There's no question. When we get back, he's one point ahead of McDavid in scoring. He's played uh, three more games. So when we get back here in Oilers now, uh, Drew Remenda, who knows the San Jose organization and the Oilers organization well, off to a global news weather traffic update, Cassandra Jodouin. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.